in this week's episode. I don't think I would have gotten there without the things that I had done that I'm not proud of. Hmm. But the important thing is that I got there. That's Adelina in my second part of my three-part talk with her, where she talks about more about her cross-dressing life. You're also going to hear, instead of my usual yas of the week, you're actually going to hear my cross-yas confessional, which I haven't done in a while, so I'm sure you guys will enjoy that. You'll also hear Kirsten talk wedding dress shopping, which I'm sure you guys will be interested in because her and I are still getting married. And finally, you'll hear another installment of Sierra Says. This is episode 55. Can you believe it? We've done 55 of these things. Hope you guys are ready. Are you guys ready? Let's do it, shall we? Yes! Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Cross Yes Podcast. Would you sell me your soul? Yes! Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Cross the Yes Podcast. The podcast that still says yes to everything related to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. I'm Giselle Mirasol, cross-dressing host of the Cross the Yas podcast, which is a wonderful and inclusive podcast. You know, that thing. If you're new here or a returning listener, more information is available on the Cross the Yas podcast website, www.crossyaspodcast.com. That's spelled www.crossyaspodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes, all the social media, and ways you can support this podcast, like through Patreon. If you didn't know what Patreon is, well, it's a thing that you can use to support artists, podcasters, and whomever through the website. You got to sign up there, do your thing there, but it's the Patreon links are already on the Cross Yes Podcast website. And if you don't have it, well, you can easily go to www.patreon.com slash cross yes, where you'll find how you can support the podcast and get access to bonus content like special digital prints, exclusive bonus episodes. You'll even hear my fiance, Kirsten, singing. Finally, if you're looking to share your personal story, especially if it's cross-dressing, sexuality, or gender-related, and if you're wondering if you can share this information with someone, you know the answer. Come on now, guys. This is 55 episodes of this. Come on, guys. It's allowed. Frickin'. Yes! You can reach out to me. You can hit me up because I'm ready and willing to hear your story and share it with the Cross Yas listener if you want me to. Email me, Giselle, at crossyaspodcast.com. That's G-I-S-E-L-L-E at C-R-O-S-S-Y-A-A-S podcast.com. Or you can hit me up on social media at Cross Yas on Twitter or at Cross Yas podcast on Instagram. Happy end of August, everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying the rest of your August. It's been crazy hot here in California. I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! We are in the midst Kristen and I are in the midst of moving out to our new condo slash townhouse. Uh, We're doing so many new things. Hope you guys support the podcast through Patreon. We're doing stuff on the website, crossyaspodcast.com. Check out links that we've done for like Old Navy. If you guys are looking for Old Navy stuff, highly recommend that. Where Kristen talked about it last week in episode 54. Uh, It was her Kristen's Corner. We have some links in there you guys can check out. If you haven't heard our bonus stuff yet... If you haven't heard the bonus episodes, there's strap-ons and pegging out on the patreon.com slash cross the ass. So guys, check that out for those who contribute $5 or $10. Check that out. It's pretty good. Well, I don't know. I'm biased, though. But yeah, this episode, it's just Adelina, her second part of her talk. Hope you guys enjoy it. Kirsten talks about wedding dress shopping, huh? That'll be fun. Hope you guys enjoy that. And Sierra comes back with her second installment of Sierra Says. If you guys have 
things you want to hear, things you want to talk about, please reach out, reach out, reach out. There's also still the question of the month. We have like a week left, so I'll talk about that next week. And then I'll um, give a shout out to our, our Patreon patrons in a special segment in next week's episode. And I'll have a new question of the month. But yeah, still the question is, at what age did you know you were different in relation to cross-dressing sexuality and or gender? Reach out to me on email, Giselle at crossyaspodcast.com. Also, you can tweet me at crossyas or DM me on Instagram at crossyaspodcast. That's it for this. Just get straight into the Cross the Yas confessional. If you guys enjoy that, if you guys want to hear more, or if you guys prefer the Yas of the week, let me know. But this is coming right at you after this. Thanks, guys. Love you. Love you. Love you all. You guys are amazing. You guys are amazing. And now, another installment in the Cross Yas confessionals. This story comes from Andrea B, a crossdresser that just wants to tell her story. And her story begins like this. So my crossdressing journey began when I was around 10 or 11. For two years, circumstances caused me to live with my sister, my mother, and my grandmother. And in that short period of time, I soon discovered the fascination with my mother's and grandmother's underwear drawer. I was often caught browsing through there, but luckily not punished for it. I continued my cross-dressing journey into my teenage years that included occasional pantyhose and stocking purchases. I would try these lovely pieces on, prance around my room a little bit, but for some reason I felt so much guilt. It hurt me so much that I would quickly take them off and not touch them again for months. At age 15, I left for college, but when I turned 18, I decided to join the army. I didn't dress in either of those places, and once out of the military, I returned to college. I graduated and began a career as an entertainment production roadie, which I did for six years, including acts like The Grateful Dead, Pink Floyd, and The Rolling Stones. During this time, I continued to purchase undergarments and occasionally stockings, but while on the road, I didn't take any of those clothes with me, and never purchased female clothing outside of underwear. In the year 1997, I went to work as a television news reporter slash videographer slash producer. I did that for four years before leaving that field and going for a job at a university in technical theater, which at that point, I started dressing a little more at home, but never in public, of course, so the cross-dressing was still my own personal secret. I continued the brief stints at cross-dressing and hoarding more clothing pieces as the years went by, until the year 2013 when I met a woman who we'll call S. S and I hit it off so well that by 2014, we were both engaged, but I was uncertain on how to approach her about my cross-dressing side until the perfect opportunity arose. And you guessed it, it was every cross-dresser's favorite holiday, Halloween. Halloween 2014, and there I was. For the first time, I was publicly cross-dressing, with my fiancé nonetheless at a Halloween event. And I absolutely loved the experience. It was extremely exhilarating, and to share the experience with my fiancé made it that much more meaningful. But throughout the event, I sensed the hesitancy with S. Something just seemed off. I knew that would have been the best time to just tell S about my true self, about my cross-dressing past and how Andrea was a part of me that I could not simply let go. I really wanted to tell her, but for some reason, I couldn't muster enough courage to do it. I knew I should have told her, but I didn't. I, I just couldn't. 
So I figured that the best thing to do, like everyone else in denial, was to just put Andrea and my cross-dressing aside. I told myself, we'll just deal with all of that at a later time. When it came to our relationship, Andrea and the cross-dressing would be best out of sight and out of mind. But boy, was that tough. Making things even more complicated, S and I weren't even living together at the time. This was because she had a hard time with the idea of moving away from her hometown, 90 minutes away from me, and I, well, I wanted to be close to my aging mother. Neither of us would budge. So she stayed where she was, and I stayed where I was, and we just continued living our engaged lives together, but separately. That went on for six years, and in those six years, I still purchased other pieces of clothing to satisfy my cross-dressing alter ego and satisfy Andrea. Hell, I even bought some breast inserts, because you can't have Andrea without the breast inserts. I did my best to continue my cross-dressing life secretly, although that was taking its toll on me. Which brings us to this year, the year 2020. The most difficult year of my life, and I'm sure a year we'd all like to forget. For me, it started in January where my mother, who I've been living with for almost my entire life, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. She was given less than six months to live. I was rocked to my core. I had no one to turn to other than my fiance, S, because I needed her. I needed her more now than ever, but I had to be honest with her and to myself. So on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, which coincidentally was our engagement anniversary for the last six years, I decided to not only bring up the subject of us moving in together after my mother passes away, but also that I was a cross-dresser who absolutely loved the idea of wearing women's clothes. Boy, was that a mistake. Because, well, let's just say it did not go well. Her initial response was warranted. She called me a liar, a con artist. S, who was my previously loving fiance, accused me of lying to her for seven years and that I had been deceptive. She said other things that hurt me, like how she was utterly uninterested in me sexually, since she can now only imagine me in women's clothing. She continued her tirade by spewing even more hateful comments, like how she thought I was going to turn gay, transition completely, and leave her within five years. We had our other issues that are too long to list, but whatever unrequited feelings she had surfaced during this tumultuous time. I tried for a couple of months to talk her down, to prevent the inevitable, but she kept getting more and more intense about her feelings and finally, at the end of April this year, a month after my mother died, I accepted it. S and I ended our engagement. My mother left me in March of this year and by April's end, S, the other woman in my life, left me too. I lost the two loves of my life and I felt love leaving me. Funny how life works though. The day after I'd posted that S and I had broken off our engagement, an old acquaintance who had been married for all the time I was together with S reached out and expressed interest in me. We talked, got together, and I almost immediately told her about my cross-dressing, which to my surprise, she was totally into. We had a couple of good weeks, including my first experience making love while dressed as Andrea, and it was incredible. But life happens, Things come up and after a short roller coaster relationship with this woman, that was that. And we also went our separate ways. The quick fling gave me the confidence that I needed to continue pursuing others as Andrea, so I went online looking for prospective dates. I landed on a website where the person I pursued turned out to have bad intentions. 
See, I had forgotten the rules of online dating. Don't trust anyone. But I'm a hopeless romantic, and me believing the best in people, I foolishly gave out my real name. At the request of this person, I also sent them an inappropriate picture. Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening to my story, please, if someone asks you to send an inappropriate picture online, please, don't do it. Learn from me. Because the person I sent this picture to used that picture and went to my Facebook and tried to blackmail me. So I decided to take charge of my own life. My response to this person was a loud and resounding, fuck you. And 10 minutes later, I decided to post on my Facebook about coming out as a crossdresser. And to my surprise, I had an overwhelmingly positive response from my friends and coworkers. A somewhat less spectacular one from my family, but they all turned out supportive anyway. Since that revelation on Facebook, I have been dressing every day at home and I've been going out to small gatherings with friends dressed as Andrea. And luckily for me, I've been welcomed with open arms. Of course, everyone's wearing masks and social distancing. You just gotta be safe during these times, you know? I'm currently furloughed from my job and haven't decided if I'm going to dress at all when I go back. But I've been given the permission to if I want to. The only thing I need now is to find a new partner, and that of course is a challenge on its own. That's it for now, so I think ultimately my rejection by my ex-fiancé is probably a good thing, since it's going to be better for me to be with somebody who loves all of me, and not just some parts of me. And that's Andrea's story, or Andrea's story. Sorry, I kind of flip-flop between the two. But yeah, that's her cross yas confessional. If you guys want to share your cross yas confessional of your own, Reach out to me, hit me up on Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com or tweet me at CrossYas or DM me on Instagram at CrossYasPodcast. But that's it for now. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Previously, on my first part of my talk with Adelina, I left off on asking Adelina a question about going public as a crossdresser in Philadelphia. Here's the second part of my talk with Adelina. Hope you guys enjoy it. Now, you think a life as a crossdresser in Philadelphia could like, could, could you ever be public about it then for you personally or no? Just because of you fear just how, I don't know, others would react, I guess. I think as far as the reaction goes, the only thing that would, like, because, because I, I, I really hit the age where I don't know how much I care anymore. Right, right. I, I think really the problem would be with my children. Mm, okay. And not that they would have a problem with it. I think the problem would be that they may be exposed to being teased about it. And mm. they didn't sign up for it. Mm. You know, the, I've known there's other cross-dressers. I mean, I mean, famously, Marvin Gaye's dad was a cross-dresser. And I know Marvin, they, this, and who actually killed Marvin Gaye. Right. So his story was he was uh, Marvin Gaye was was teased a lot when he was a child. Does the the community know the town though? Mm-hmm. I I don't think that would be my my biggest fear would be that I would be talking to you on this and my kid would walk in through the door who is within bicycle distance from my house. He could bicycle to my house when he's with his mother. So I heard heard your one show where um, her ex wife or current wife about to be divorced walked in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Was that Gabby? I think it might have been Gabby. Gabby or Meg? Yeah. 
that would be the worst case scenario for me because I would be unprepared how to explain that. But it's fun. It, like it's fun with my daughter because I can talk about hair product and we can talk about like you know this and that. Mm. But it's still they're they're very young and that's that's primary the reason why I remain firmly entrenched inside my house. Okay. Okay. Unless it's a event, right? <laughs> you can go with other crossdressers. Unless it's a, unless it's an event, yeah. Okay. And yeah. again, it's just it's just the it's like the ten steps from my front door of the car. That's the problem. <laughs> right. Right. So, what is your like style as Annalena? Like, what do you go for? What, what do you dress as? Because that's also important if you're you know if you're gonna go out and you're looking like a I was telling you like kind of like a Titanic looking lady that went out. I was like, she's wearing a full on white. 1920s Victorian looking style dress. Like, where is she going? <laughs> this was in San Francisco and like at 11 at night. I'm like, uh, uh, is that something you would do? I'd hope not, but. It's, uh, it's, it's fairly conservative. Tonight I have a, a, just a, a fairly long dress that comes on like down to the knee, but it's form fitting. Cute, cute. It's funny because I like, I think, I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten away from, I think one time I had like a PC dress. Like, it was just like, it was like, wait. My, like it's, this isn't me. That just <laughs> I, I think I think everybody goes through the, the sexual fetishization of the clothing at this point, right? Mm-hmm. You got the, the garter belts, and you want to do the the the, the um, what do they call the bodycon dresses, and, and which is my kind of style. Yeah, I'm a hoe bag in that sense, the traditional <laughs> clubbing hoe. That's me. I'm in the club. But you're still young, so when you're fifty, I'm sure when you're fifty-one, you're not going to be wearing. I don't know. I've seen fifty-year-olds at the club, and I'm like. Mm, dress your age lady but i'm like yeah she's working it though she's working it <laughs> have you seen vera wang's like fucking sexy ass Woo. oh how old is vera wang she's 70 and did you see her looking amazing like what the hell sorry continue no, i did not look that up i that's a name i haven't heard in a long time like you can still look good there adelina you just don't know i mean it just depends how you you know how confident you are sorry continue <laughs> I think it's how I think it's how confident you are, and I think it's just your mindset. Like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, and maybe this is just from hanging out on Adult Friend Finder. I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to sound bad because it should be for yourself. I don't mm-hmm. like the way people looked at me when I wore stuff that probably doesn't belong. On me. <laughs> like I, like I don't know how else to say it. Um, okay. I don't even know what I mean by that, but I know that's true. <laughs> I, I, I know what you mean. I, I think I know what you mean. I feel like, so like, like so tonight I had like this very cute, it's a, it's a, it's a black and white dress with flowers and it's, you know, the neckline is up across my collarbone and it Ooh. is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's just a very comfortable look for me. This is, this is when I, when I, when I want to sit and hang out. Or if this is what I would wear out to an event. This is this is perfectly sexy for me. This this makes me feel this makes me feel good about myself. Something like this. But I've had you know so like I do shop at thrift stores and I see some things in there and I'm like I don't like it. Squeeze into that, but I'm gonna try. So I try to squeeze <laughs> into it. I do squeeze into it. And I'm like this is it's like first of all like the the pads like show right because it's not long enough or. Something else doesn't quite work with it. So, you know, you have to be, I think you have to be mindful of the body that you have and find something that works with your body. I'm 5'9 and about 170 
five pounds. So I can fit pretty comfortably into something that's kind of cute, I guess. But uh, I do, I do, you know, I have to keep that up. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to try to squeeze into this if I gain a lot of weight. <laughs> that's, but that's important to me. You know, you asked if it's important for me to pass, and and no, it's not. But it's this is what I mean. It's important for me to look healthy. Yeah, it's interesting as a cross dresser, from a male to a female. You know, right to dress as a female. How important it is to kind of like you, you kind of embody the female mentality even when you're like dressing up. You're like, damn, do I look fat in this? Or how feminine can I look in this? That you don't want to look fat, which I get from a female perspective. But you're also like, I want to, I mean, maybe again, passing may not be important to you, but you want to look as feminine, like you said, as possible, right? So, yeah. And when, when I go through it, when, when I go through it, so like, so it takes me like tonight. It took me about an hour and ten, about an hour and ten minutes because well, I do my hair, but, the, but that's where the process starts. That's where I put on my Demi Lovato, and I want to just mm-hmm. start the process. And I want to, and, and you know, I, 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 I feel, I feel feminine through the process of trying to become feminine. It's not like I, I get done dressing, you know, and I'm smoking cigars, and I'm, you know, <laughs> you know, watching. The rock movies while I'm getting ready, and then all of a sudden, like, right? It's a that's not sort of how it works. I think it all starts from the conscious effort of of transforming who I am into who I want to be. And during that whole process, I, I really have a mindset, like I said, of of how that end product of me looks, and hmm. and taking care of it to get there. You know, I, I've just started like magnetic eyelashes. Now that's my big thing. I mean, I, I love these things mm-hmm. because it brings a whole new level of femininity that I couldn't bring to myself with mascara. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just don't have very long eyelashes. And how's that? How's that working out for you? The magnetic stuff. I have these things down. I have, I have solved the mystery of magnetic eyelashes and, and as far as applying them. I might be the first person ever. I've heard of it like once or twice, but you want to explain what, how that works? I don't know. I'm, ve- I'm very proud to announce on the show that I have solved the problem. Now we know who to direct to have <laughs> questions about magnetic eyelashes. So there's two types of magnetic eyelashes, right? There's, there's the two-piecers, which means you have a, a, a top lash and a bottom lash. And when I say that, I mean that's where it goes on your eyelash. It means you get two pieces and you put one above your eyelash, your natural eyelash, and then one below it. And they kind of magnet themselves together. Mm-hmm. And the other kind is you have, uh, it's almost like a magnetic pin that you write above, you roll a line above your eyelash, and then you have a single lash and you put it on that magnetic strip that you, that you, that you draw on there. I prefer the former ones because hmm. the second ones, uh, that magnetic strip that you draw on there is very difficult to take off. Mm-hmm. And I don't like putting anything, I don't like, I have a hard enough time with a mascara pen around my eye. I, I don't like putting anything that's some sort of a metallic substance that I want to like. I'm I freaked out. So <laughs> I, I've been wearing glasses since I was a maybe second grade or first grade. Actually, before that, probably kindergarten. Hmm. So when I was young, I had my eye taken out to fix a, a lazy muscle and then put it back in. So I've always sort of been real sensitive about things being in my eye because I really only have one good eye. So. Oh. I'm paranoid about putting things in my eye like that. So I could, you know, I tried like contacts where you like stab yourself in the eye like 50 times to get an eye and eye contact in. Which is a very common thing for most women and cross-dressers like myself. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrible. So I stopped wearing 
I just stopped wearing contact lenses because I couldn't take the whole putting things in your eye. So if you get the if you get the ones and you can get them on Amazon for like nine bucks. I mean they're not very good, but they're good practice ones. I actually have some coming from AliExpress because they're really if like AliExpress is like it's like six sets of eyelashes for like seventy nine cents or something. It's ridiculous. What? It is. It's so it is so cheap. It's such a good deal. You just gotta wait till like two thousand twenty two. Yeah, is it like forty five weeks before it finally yeah. perfect? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the like the free option. If you pay like two dollars, it'll come in like I don't know. <laughs> 38 weeks out. <laughs> right. So, so they give you a little plier with the, the thing and you switch with the eyelashes on you. Know, and I watched like 10 videos on how to do this thing. And none of them do it. I do it the way you just really, you take one, the top clinching like the left hand side of the lash and then the right clinching, the right hand doing like the right hand side of the lash. And then you kind of aim them up and snap them right in there. It really takes a few seconds. Hmm. But it makes such a difference. Like I just, they're not perfect. And I think anybody staring close enough would be know that they're know that they're falsies and not really totally perfect. But I don't like to think that there's enough other things to notice about me that there's not nobody really cares that much about the eyelashes. Right. But they're they're really they're it's really great. I love them. Hmm. And what made how'd you get into that? Like what made you start to use like magnetic glasses? My girlfriend's who you could my girlfriend got it's her lashes done because she is Asian. Oh, okay. Okay. She wears, get her lashes done like professionally, right? Like the, the $75 a trip or whatever you got to do every two okay. or three weeks. And with the coronavirus, she could not get her lashes done anymore. <laughs> so she found these magnetic things. I, I had never heard of these things until mm. she tried them on a couple of times. And I was like, I don't know if that's going to work for you. I secretly tried them myself, and and they worked for me. So that's that's how I got. I six weeks ago, I didn't even know these things were a thing because for me, I mean, like I've tried with the mascara. You try like three or four coats, and you're still not getting anything out of it. This is like a godsend. I never thought that would be the biggest problem in my life is not making my lashes look <laughs> better. But here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an online presence, is Adelina? Like, is there a? So you have like a Instagram, Facebook, a Patreon, I don't know. No, I don't have any of that. The only thing I have is the Adult Friend Finder, and that goes under Delco CD. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I only log in there like once every week or two. That's typically only when I have a house project. So right now I have a I have a sound bar to put up under my TV. I'll probably do that while I'm on there. I have a new faucet to replace in my kitchen. I'll probably put that on there. But anybody who's joining on there looking to like look for like me putting something inside of me. Mm-hmm. Isn't gonna find that. That's <laughs> <laughs> just. That's just not. That's just. Yeah. Other than that, no, I don't. I don't. I don't share. I don't even have Instagram. I used to have Instagram under my boy account, and I I can't figure out what Instagram is for. What do you mean? And we're getting really good at Photoshop. Ah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like I, I don't understand what is. Like I don't. I don't know what it's for. Well, Instagram is more just to show, like, you know, how vain we are. And, uh, is that, oh, well, Instagram, it, it's also a way of like, it's just like social media, just pictures and video now, too, of being like, hey, this is what I did today, or this is what's going on, or whatnot. It's just like Facebook without the actual statuses per se, but it's just photos and sort of thing. It's been around Facebook for people who don't like to read, essentially. And it's quick. It's just like, I don't know if you're on Reddit as well. It's just like, just, 
photos. I love Reddit. I love Reddit. I'm on Reddit too. So I'm just I'm just on there for the memes. Like I like I well, it's not totally the memes, but but mostly it's <laughs> not 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 100, but mostly I'm on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm on there. I used to post a lot more when I was uh, a couple years back when I would just post like photos of myself. And, you know, you're, everybody wants like online attention and like they go for the likes. Same thing with Instagram. So they're just kind of like, oh, well, like this photo or like this. And I'm on there for just like helping others and understanding. There's news too, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would like to do something like that, but I don't know if there's really a group that I could. So there, there's a, there's a cross-dressing group, right? We all know that one. Correct. Mm-hmm. But that just seems like it's a lot of young, attractive people posting pictures of themselves. Not Whereas, necessarily. There's some unattractive people, <laughs> like myself. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> I snorted again. No, what I mean is there's no real discussion there. So I don't really check in there all that often. It used to be. I want to say there... I mean... With this podcast, we discuss a little more into detail about everyone's lives and how we got to cross-dressing selves. But yeah, cross-dressing, the subreddit of cross-dressing used to be some discussions, but mostly, yeah, you're right. It's just like, hey, look how sexy I am, or look, this is my butt sort of thing. And, you know, I think a lot of that might have started when Tumblr sort of bit the dust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Tumblr refugees wound up over on Reddit because they were all on them. Sorry, well, how do you feel about the fetishization and stuff about cross-dressing? Um, I, I don't, I don't, you know what, I don't, look, everything, everything can be fetishized. Uh, so I don't really have a problem with it. I, 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 I don't think, I, it can be, and, and I've done it myself, right? I, I think everybody goes through that stage where that happens. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, I think anything that doesn't harm anybody, and I don't think it does, I'm okay with. I, I think if people fetishize cross-dressing, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's hurting anybody. I mean, do you? Well, there becomes a point where, and this is why there's so many dick pics I feel like for cross-dressing. Like I've gotten, just as the podcast, like, hey, you want to see my dick? And I'm like, you know, it's three in the afternoon. I don't, I don't want to. But there are those cross-dressers who, don't understand it, but there is an attraction to cross-dressers. And I, I think I was told by somebody about, because I asked, I like, what's so attractive to you? I think I might have asked an admirer about what, how do, why are you so attracted to cross-dressers? And he brought up a really good point, and it was cross-dressers embody the, or at least ones who really try, embody the idea of true femininity because they try so hard to look feminine. So to them, the idea of like, this person is trying that hard to look as a female or try to display or exhibit such femininity to them, that is the epitome, I guess, of, I don't know, sexual femininity. I don't know. In that aspect, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but. Uh, I can kind of see that. I think, mm-hmm. um, because I think that's what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't it? I agree. Yeah. It was funny. One of those, one of those conversations I had with myself after I moved into the apartment, and I really had sort of doubts about why I was all of a sudden doing this now. And I was, and I, and I didn't know if I was just trying to do exactly that to the extent. Was I trying, was I trying to create a female that I hadn't met? And was I taking it 
so far to the extreme is to replace an actual human female with myself. Mm. And eventually I, I discounted that idea. But it was a conversation that I had with myself. Like, why now? Why is this important to me? Why is it because that didn't work? Is it because I'm looking for something else? Is it because I don't know what I want? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it wasn't that I was trying to do that or I didn't know what I want. It, it's just that I, I didn't know who I was yet. And, mm-hmm. and that's where, when, it, when, when I realized that, that is where stepping stones or embracing who I am started. And, and I don't think I would have gotten there without the failure of my marriage. I don't think I would have gotten there without the birth of my daughter. I don't think I would have gotten there without the things that I had done that I'm not proud of. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is, is that I got there. Right. You know, and, and I'm as happy now as I'm as happy as now as I've ever been. Hmm. That's great. It just took longer than, you know, if I could have done it all over again, I just would have done it in like, 23 years rather than 36 <laughs> or, or whatever. Right. It took it. Right. And I mean, everybody is so like quick to be like, this is my life. You know, I've experienced everything in my life that I've wanted to experience. And they're like 23 and you're like, no, maybe you haven't. <laughs> and you, you know, at 50, you finally realized or experience of true happiness. And that's great. Like it, you know, for some of us, we haven't experienced it all. So and, and, I, and I really feel, and I really do feel for um, everybody who has it. I don't know what the percentages are. Like, uh, like maybe you know, like what, if they took a percentage of, of people who cross-dress, like what is that percentage? There has been studies, and somebody told me it was really low, like 5% of men cross-dress in their entire life. So it's probably, not, but I, I'm saying like, it's probably such a rare thing, or there are people who aren't willing to admit it. There, there's other, I'm sure it's a higher number than that, but it's just, it's hard to gauge that. Five percent is not low. I mean, think about it. Five percent. So if you're in a like, I mean, five percent is really high. I mean, that's actually a lot higher than I would have thought. I would have. I was thinking like, like literally point something of one percent. Right, right, right. Because in the Philadelphia area, we have I don't know what there's like three million people or something live in the city or around it or something like that, and we have an event, we have thirty people show up. So, yeah, yeah, I think they, the, the, con- the, the cross-dressers congregate in like more liberal areas. I feel like San Francisco and LA has a huge number of cross-dressers, but we have a bigger population. I think LA ha- itself has like four or 5 million people. So I don't know. Ridiculous. Uh, well, I mean, just California is just a little bit more liberal in general, right? Yeah. And that's, that's no secret. But that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe it's higher than ever because maybe people... You know, just like they do for music or for movies, it's because that's that's sort of like the petri dish of environment of you want to live in to 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 live the life that you want to live, right? So that's right. that's the place to go. True. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Philadelphia is unique in its I guess lower numbers, but mm-hmm. I know from people that I've known, like so back, you know, going back to the Craigslist days, I would every once in a while like be all slutty looking and post my face on. Mm-hmm. and I would get literal responses from people that I knew mm. <laughs> which really you know confused and not confused me just sort of really blew my mind like oh well, I can't really respond to this guy because I kind of know him <laughs> mm. 
I'll just let him off gently or something like that. Mm. So, so I think I, maybe there's not a maybe there's not the number maybe there's not maybe the number of cross dresses I think there, but I think there's probably more people that are impressed by or admire than I'm thinking are. I guess. Right. Right. Well, let's go back to before I get too far drunk, and we don't talk about Atlanta. But you <laughs> wanted to talk something about Atlanta. Okay, we'll talk about that. Atlanta. I don't remember the ATL. I lived down there for seven years or so. Um, but I think that's sort of, I, I think Atlanta was the place where I learned to sexually experience things. This is where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Let me sip more drink. <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm going to need a wine refresher in a minute. <laughs> and, and, and because Atlanta is is pretty gay friendly. Atlanta has a has a pretty vibrant scene. Mm-hmm. It would have it has you know I guess it's the rest of Georgia is not Atlanta. Um, the rest of Georgia I would never I would never feel comfortable doing things I did in Atlanta. Hmm. I, I think at that stage of my life, I, I, that's when I started shedding the structs of the Catholic Church. So, and, and this was, I was in my, in my 20s and, and early 30s. Mm-hmm. It took that long. It took that long to say, I can do this or I can do that and I can dress like this. And, and I know that I threw the stuff away and, and I would buy it again and I would throw it away again. And, and we all heard and we all know that the conversations with the purges like that. But this is going to sound weird. It won't, trust me. <laughs> so of all of those experiences, I never came once. I I I wasn't there to do that. I I I I, I don't even know how to put it into words. I went there. This is I think we touched on this earlier. It wasn't a sexual thing. It was a validation thing for me, and I never found that validation. And I would not let myself to that stage even if it was close mm. and i don't want to turn your podcast into a trash talk because you rarely have sexual talk on here that gets to this level at least for what i've heard but it's an important part of the conversation mm-hmm. sexually you do it for a reason right some people do it because of need some people do it because of want i did it for i i maybe it was research like i did, i don't really know why i was doing it but i knew i had to do it mm-hmm. And it's, it's, um, and this was, this was like 90, what did I say, 95 through 2001. Um, this is the AIDS was still, the AIDS epidemic was still raging. So, you know, you throw that paranoia on top of it. And it was, it was, uh, it was a difficult, it was a difficult journey to find out that I wasn't, that I wasn't gay because I never attached myself emotionally or psychologically, or I guess, I don't know what else you would say, to these experiences it was a purely physical thing. And I, 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 I'm glad I did it, but I wasn't glad I did it the moment after I did it. Hmm. Now, can we, let's, let's run it back. So you went to Atlanta, and you had yep. sexual experiences with men? Yep. Yeah. Now, were you cross-dressed at any time during this? Or were you purely just your male self and you had, like, are we talking oral sex, anal sex, all the sexes, or what are we talking about? 
I was not, <clears throat> excuse me, I was not dressing except for a little bit. My sexual experiences were oral sex because I, I was very nervous about AIDS. I was very nervous about, from a Catholic church perspective, promiscuous sex at all. Mm-hmm. I had girlfriends down there, so I had that going on too. But I had, I had not tried anal sex until relatively recently. Okay. With men? With men. Okay. And, and even that throughout through the course of 51 years is still only one person. Mm. And that's fine because that, that worked for me. Okay. But in my days in Atlanta, I would, I would, I would find guys on AOL typically because AOL was all rage. And you've got mail uh, literally. Yeah. You'd have your M4M Atlanta rooms or, or whatever you had back then. And it wasn't hard. So I would go over and perform that, but I would never ask to have it performed on me because that wasn't what I was there for. Hmm. And, I, and I don't know why that was. And to this day, I still don't know why that was other than I think it was a part of, I think it was, a, I, I don't even know. I don't even know why I did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like seriously, like I, 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 uh, I don't know if, if it's tied to this, but I do know that I haven't had the urge to do that in a long time. Well, it's funny you say that, because I think I've talked about it too, my sexual experiences. Although the one I had with the transgendered person, I think I've, I slept with at least three men who were all, one, well, two were cross-dressers, one was, well, four men, and one I was molested by another man, but... Um, of all the sexual experiences with men. That sounds so shitty. I'm not going to count that one. Yeah, no, I, I don't count that either. And plus I was like anally penetrated as well, which is also kind of lame. What? I don't have heard this before. I, I talked about that a little bit in the the sexual... Did you hear the sexual assault episode that was done last year? I have, but... Oh, I, have look at, I have to look at you look at this. That sounds terrible. Yeah, I was sexually penetrated, anally penetrated... Partly because I asked to be, because I kind of wanted to know what it felt like, and it was very painful, unfortunately. Um, well, yeah, and that yeah. happened at least on two occasions, from what I remember, or like mentally, like remember. But um, I kind of am on the same boat as you. Is I didn't um, finish or come with the men that I slept with. I did with the transgender person because I was super horny and eventually needed to come because for sexually climaxed because i needed to but i had the same feeling as you and i i would love to know if somebody could do a case study on crossdressers and how i feel like from the common denominator i feel like the crossdressers that i've met maybe it's different or maybe it's just like a coincidence but i think we have all this like we all have this need to please other people you know that's exactly what i was thinking when you said that right to please others and just see how it feels and that's that's partly why I'm a nurse too, just to help others. And there's this like constant altruistic viewpoint that I have or live by that I want to help others regardless of how I feel or if I have to sacrifice my own happiness, yada, yada, yada. I just want, it's, it is a very funny common denominator that you say that you didn't come at all with all those men. I want yeah, it, it's the weirdest thing because, and it's funny because after the fact, every time I slept or had sex with those men, I would go home and I'd be like, maybe I don't like this <laughs> or maybe... 
I should stop because I am not having any pleasure at all, except having the other person pleasure themselves. That's part of it, isn't it? Right. So like, like the, the pleasure I got out of it was what I thought was emotional or the psychological pleasure of making somebody else happy. And right. for me, that was good enough. And right. it was good enough in the moment. But when I would reflect on it, knowing that I would never see this person again. Right, or, right. Then I would feel not very good about myself. Right. But I would still do it again. Right, right. Yeah. Because you, for me, it was, well, maybe it's different this other time. Or maybe I'll feel better about myself because- but it's never better. different, right? It's never, it's never, ever different. So I have, so like I said, I've only had anal sex in my life with one person. Mm. And, and it's a good experience. It's a good experience for me. Because an anal sex, you mean you were penetrated or you penetrated someone else? Correct. No, no, I've never, I've never penetrated a man before. Okay. And I have no interest. Okay. And, and I don't know if you want to go into detail, but how did it feel or what was the experience like for you? Well, I, I, I got my, I have, I have a, <laughs> I have a toy myself and it felt a lot like that now. So I have poppers. Do you want to explain what that is? So a popper is like a, it's like a nitrate or something like that. It's basically a, <clears throat> a thing that you, I think you find on, online, they call it fluid cleaner or something like that. It's basically, it's sort of this nitrate that that release that sort of, um, but we're not going to biology lesson here. So you have, uh, you have your, well, I'm going to, so I don't want to go into a biology lesson. Let me try to explain this a little easier. You have a butt, right? You have a what? Sorry. <laughs> you, have, you have a butt. Okay. And you have an outer butt and an inner butt. The outer one you can control with lubricants and muscles. The inside one when you take a popper, when you when you inhale a popper, it sort of it it um it feels I don't know what it really does. It constricts your blood muscles, blood vessels, blood vessels. Sorry, mm-hmm. and it sort of allows that second one, the inside one, to open, which is where if you feel pain, that's where it feels that that's where you're going to feel it. So because of that, I, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it without it. Mm. But it, it, it makes it, it, it does make it um, easier. Mm-hmm. And especially if, if, like, I guess if you're used to it, right, you could not do it. But we're talking like once every two, three months. At this stage, it was, it was useful. It was, it was a tool that I enjoyed using. Now, like I said, he is a good guy. There's no, he, he, he treats me like a person treating me like a person mm-hmm. and it made all the difference in the world. It wasn't like the, the, the guys I've never seen again or, or the things that I've done for self-validation. This is something that we shared as people and we both benefited from, which makes it very different than sort of the terms, uh, you know, you used where it wasn't a two way street, right? It was a, it was a one way experience that wasn't enjoyed by both people. Okay, and he did it to you with his own penis and whatnot. Wasn't anything else? That is correct. Okay. And yeah, no, it was it was 
it was and and it was and it was after it was after this stage of accepting myself so i was more comfortable with myself hmm. and it took you know we had met on aff or adult friend fighter hmm. and we had sort of chatted over the course of christ six to nine months before we even agreed to sort of hang out so it wasn't it wasn't like my old days of going to the aol chat rooms and just you know, two thirty in the morning, who's coming home from a bar, or I guess, you know, right. four o'clock in the morning, and just doing this thing. It, it's a very different, a very different experience. However, I would say, even with that, and this has been more than once, hmm. I still identify myself as a heterosexual, hmm. and don't at all. It's it's just a physical thing for both of us. I, I I don't know how else to put it. I've always sort of defined the whole gay bisexual thing based upon intent, right? It's it's your intent of emotionally, physically, and spiritually or physiologically fitting along with a person of a different sex. For me, it's purely physical, and I enjoy it. Okay. But I'm not I'm not I don't think I'm capable of falling in love with a man. I see. I just don't think it's part of my biology. Got it. Okay. Okay. Hold this thought, Elena. I have to pee because I've drank way too much. Perfect. Break time. <laughs> Is it okay that we take a break? I have so many other questions about this man and more about your sexuality and more about this. If you can hold these thoughts. Let's take okay. a quick two minute break. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. Okay. You're back. You're back. And that was the end of the second part, where sadly, I did have to pee. Sorry, I was drinking a lot. But stay tuned in a couple of weeks for the conclusion and final part of my talk with Adelina. And now it's time for Kirsten's Corner! In this week's Kirsten's Corner, now you're too far. Kirsten's Corner! In this Kirsten's week, Corner! In this week's Kirsten's, Kirsten's Corner! corner. <laughs> uh, let's talk... Can we talk uh, wedding dress shopping? All right. Because uh, we are supposedly supposed to get married in January. No, we are getting married in January. There's not supposedly... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the, the supposed is what is... Who knows what the ceremony is going to be like. Yes. How is the... Uh, you know, all girls are the traditional trope of girls who can't wait to try their wedding dress no no what is uh what was the wedding dress shopping experience for you because you found one right yeah i found one um i will say that i i had a good time with what i was presented with because of covid i i couldn't shop with my bridesmaids like with my whole like in an ideal world or if if things didn't go to shit this year um, I would have gone with my bridesmaids, with my mom, my sister-in-law, and my niece. I probably would have gone with them, maybe a few other friends, but most likely those people. And then we would have gone to like a few different stores and tried on dresses and they would help me pick, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't. And, and you know, like they give you sometimes they give you champagne or like they do a little celebration when you pick your dress. We didn't get to do any of those things. I really still had fun, though. And, and I honestly, like it was kind of rushed because I, I forgot with everything going on. I forgot about finding a dress until like maybe a month or so ago. So I just started making some appointments for some dress shops in orange county and i 
went to a few. I actually found my dress on my second appointment. So my first appointment was at David's Bridal, which I think was just okay. I, I Some of the dresses I actually really liked, um, and I'm really glad I went there for my first one because I kind of got to get like the kind of like the the baseline experience and it would have been more fun again with with my full party I got to bring my my mom and one of my bridesmaids shout out to Kathy uh she got to go so at least and she FaceTimed the rest of my bridesmaids so that was at least something that we got to do is to have their input and have them there and honestly like having my mom there is like she she gets even if like it's it's not just her approval or whatever like it Having her be happy with the dress is helpful for me. And like I even deciding like bring the people who are going to tell you straight up if it's a good dress or a bad dress. Because I I mean like as much as I want my friends to like hype me up like I want them to tell me if I look good or not. But because like day of you want to just feel your best. So was the wedding dress shopping experience for you like you know on TV shows and stuff? That's all I know about wedding dress shopping. Well, I mean, I can't. This girl dreamt about, you know. Oh, no. I I mean, like, that was I I was never really into that just because I'm not super confident with my body. So, like, I just that whole thing I was actually not really looking forward to. But I I had fun. Like, I think I had a lot better time than I thought I was going to. And then and then I, I kind of got like bumped after because I realized how much fun it would have been if if everybody was there. Did you know when you wore the dress? Because you tried on a bunch of dresses. So I tried on, you know I tried on like five at David's Bridal. And there were some that I liked. I really liked two. My mom liked one that I didn't like. And we kind of disagreed on it. And, and I think it was like, that's where I was like, kind of like, ugh. And even like my friend pulled me aside and was like, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter if I don't like it or if your mom doesn't like it. If you, you have to like it, which I totally agree with. And, and that experience, like, the, the person helping me was just, like, kind of whatever. Like, she wasn't, it wasn't, like, very, she wasn't super helpful. She wasn't, like, super inviting. It was just, again, baseline experience. But then the second day, we went to Love and Lace Bridal in Irvine, which I highly, highly recommend. The person who was helping me, her name is Taylor. She was super nice. And, like, she asked me questions about, about, you about my fiance and she asked questions like about how do we meet what you know kind of um wedding are we having like you know how how every i've been dealing with everything going on like how's the planning she asked like what kind of dresses i liked and what i wanted or didn't want um and she was really helpful through the whole process and everybody was wearing a mask so just kind of that something you know if you guys needed to know that too but she helped me get in and out of the dress. She was like really good at setting my expectations on like, okay, so just a heads up that this one is going to have a little bit more this or it's going to, you know, for this, we would do this or she gave me really good tips. So for that one, I actually, the dress I ended up getting was the second dress I tried on, but I had tried on a few others after. And then I went back to that dress. And it's like, I think after I put it on the first time, I kind of already knew, but I wanted to get some different, looks just to, to see did you cry when you no. wore it you know how the people... you know i i didn't cry um i don't know i think I, when people expect me to cry at something i'm less likely to do it and i think taylor she was kind of looking at me like oh so so is this it and i'm like yeah you know like i wasn't i wasn't like 
super oh my god yeah this is it yes you know that's just not that's just also not me in general um i was like yeah i like this one i feel good i think this is it this is tight and like just me i kept wanting to do like whenever they were taking pictures of the dress so i can either reference it later i'd always do like dumb poses you know and like they were kind of like you have to get you have to take normal pictures and i was like ugh you know, I this it's just really not my thing. Like the the wedding dress trying on is just not my thing. But I did have a good I really enjoyed I'm really glad that I went to David's Bridal the first day and then my second appointment was there. Cause it was just like a it was a really good experience. Do you wish you went to more places? No. Or were you happy enough with No, I'm I'm good with what I got. Hmm. Like there was actually like so I will say that I ended up buying Willow. I went something by Willoughby something by Willoughby Willoughby by water or something like that water by Willoughby is the name of the designer and I went to her their website after and look up more of their dresses and they actually have a lot of other really cute dresses that and then there's also a shop in orange I could have gone to that had more of a selection but whatever that's fine like I feel I feel good I don't feel like I I don't have buyer's remorse at all especially because like I was kind of in a rush to buy a dress so it's fine. How did your bridesmaids react when you... They really liked it. My maid of honor, Jen, she... Te- or no, matron of honor, sorry. She teared up when I tried on the um the veil. And mm. then I don't think my mom cried, but she, she was... I think she was getting emotional about it. So that's mm. cool. And you had set up, what, like a bunch of appointments? I actually and- had like two more that... So I went on Saturday and I had two more the next day and then one like later this month, but I just canceled them. Are these free? Like, are these the like... appointments are free? They they sometimes they'll put a hold on your credit card just to make sure you show up. Or if you cancel without enough notice, they'll charge you like 40 bucks or 50 bucks. And how or many something. dresses can you try on? Or is there a set amount? Or they give you like David's a bridal. You can David's bridal was kind of strict. Like you could only be there for like an hour, I think. And you can only try on five. Like you can only have five dresses at a time. They had a really weird... I I really did not enjoy the David's Bridal experience, but I'm glad I went to it, if that makes sense. But the other one, like, you could try on as many as you want. But it's like, I think they want to make sure that, like, you're you're moving in a direction. So, like, every time I tried on a dress at, at Love and Lace, like, she's asked me what I like about it and what I don't like so that the next few dresses she pulled would kind of have those elements. So run through the process. So you go in there and you say, hey... You, well, like so before beforehand, like, oh. they ask you like what you're kind of looking for. She even called me before and said like, ask me what my size is, what my range is, um, for a price, and then like what kind of elements or styles do I like. So mm. then she kind of she kind of reviewed that with me, and then asked me some more questions like, do you like this or do you not like this, whatever. Then she pulled a few dresses that are like around my size range, and then. And then I just started trying stuff on. And so it doesn't have to be exactly in your size because they can either pin it if it's too big or they can add like extra fabric and like pin it that way if it's too small. Yeah, I think you sent me some like photos of the dresses. That they're too big. That are too big or the ones that are like eh. Too tight, like, yeah. Weird. And there's all these big old clips. Yeah, that look yeah. Like, like uh, clothesline clips. Yeah, like, to huge. pin your, to pin your, so it fits you. Because obviously they're not always going to have your size. Mm-hmm. So then they order the dress in your size. And how long does that take for the whole like... Well, I bought my dress at the end of July, I believe. Was that right? End of July? I think so, yeah. I bought it at the end of July and they're going to have it in November. 
So they're making it. It'll be ready in November, and then I have to get it tailored. And this is, like, a kind of a fucked up question, but, like, are you supposed to keep a certain weight in order to, like, uh, I think maintain the, I mean, the I elasticity guess, of the kind product, of. I, I mean, like, when, so for for November, I think they might have gotten a size that might be, like, fit me a little bit big, but maybe not. But pretty much don't. Mm gain a shit ton of weight you know what i mean mm. or lose weight either because i think that happens too so then when you get it you have to you get it fitted exactly to your body pretty much mm. and then at that point that's really where you want to maintain you know what mm. i mean so it's like if you if you're trying to lose weight like i should be losing weight right now until november and then not really fluctuate too much for january mm. which is going to be tough because that's right after the holidays mm-hmm. so and do they like have a like you bought it up front right it's not like a layaway policy you're like oh i'm i like, could have i could have put half down but i just bought it because i you know it's fine and then one um, less thing to think about and so you bought the dress was there anything you regret from mm. the, the wedding dress shopping experience i mean not anything i could change you mm. know like i wish again i i wish right, i went yeah. there's no way it could have happened you know what I mean? Right, with a bunch of people. Yeah. But they only allowed two people, right? Or that one people? I could, ha- I had two. Uh, so I brought my best friend and my mom. And then my best friend, she um, FaceTimed everyone. Hmm. Yeah. Any uh, last tips for people who are trying to buy a wedding dress in the time of COVID? Uh, honestly, like, oh, in COVID times? Yeah. Or any tips. Um, I mean, like, honestly, what you should do, which is something that I wish I did, but I didn't have time really was, you know, if you're if you're looking at look up designers you like, I feel like honest, I, I thought about buying one online and, and I did buy one online and I tried it on at home and it was kind of like whatever. So I feel like the try the dress trying on experience is really worth it. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, come in with a budget, right? Like because where some of the dresses you're like, oh, this is pretty. Oh, shit. That's well. Like- so no, that that's what I also really liked is she oh. asked me what my maximum was and she didn't she one didn't bring me anything over that. And then she she was bringing something over. She's like, well, you know, this one's kind of like right on the edge. Um, did you want me to bring it over or no? And I just said no. You know what I mean? Mm. I went over budget. No, no, no. I didn't go over. I went to the like towards the end of my budget. But I honestly really like the dress a lot. So I, I think I hope you'll like it. I hope so too. And the so you- and and you know what's and also keep an open mind because I really was looking for something with like long sleeves because we're getting married in January. Like I really had a vision for my for what I wanted, and I not that I got the opposite, but I got something unexpected. Hmm. I got something that I didn't think I was gonna get, or like at least elements of it. But again, I really like what I got. So and so you paid for the dress, and the alterations are a separate price. Is mm-hmm. that what it's, is that? like a really expensive price it's not really but it is expensive because they're adding fabric or something they they are adding uh like a sleeve type situation okay all right well that was kirsten's corner kirsten's corner and it's now time for everyone's favorite segment sierra says Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Sierra Says. In today's segment, I give a big nah girl to improper understanding of bra sizing, and in particular, the bra size matrix, which ranges from like a 30 to 32 band all the way up to a 40 band, and then an A cup to a double D cup. 
most women and people who wear bras think that they fit into this range, but the reality is that if we follow proper sizing, that's not the case. And so my yes queen this week is proper bra sizing. And communities like the a bra that fits subreddit on the website Reddit that help people find their right size. So let's start with what's wrong with the way that people understand bra sizing. Perhaps the most common misconception about bra sizing is the way that bra cups are sized. You might have heard people in your life before say, oh yeah, I'm a B cup or I'm a D cup or a C cup. The reality is that that really doesn't match how bra sizing actually works and how cups are fitted to a bra band. So to take a step back to the very beginning of how bras are fitted, we really want to think about the two common measurements or the dimensions of a bra. And the way that they are typically measured is in the band size and then the cup size. We typically think of the band size as being essentially how far around the body does the bra need to stretch in order to fit around the torso. And the cup size is thought of as representing the size of the breasts, but it's actually a little more nuanced than that because a cup size is not a raw measurement of the size of the breasts, but actually just the difference in a couple of the common measurements you would take. So if you're doing the simplest proper bra measurement, what you would do is measure around the fullest part of your breast, and then you would take a measurement around the underbust, and you would compare them. So the underbust measurement would be your band size, and then you would find that cup size by taking the difference between the fullest measurement of your bust and that underbust measurement. And depending on the difference that you get, that will correspond to your cup size. And from that point, it's pretty simple. In the US bra sizing uh, scheme, a one inch difference is an A cup, two inches is a B cup, three inches is a C cup, four D, five double D, six triple D or F. Why exactly the US lingerie industry ran out of letters after the letter D, who knows, but that's essentially how it works. And there are variations in different countries, but that's the, that's the short story of it. The real takeaway here, though, is the fact that cup size is not consistent across different band sizes. So let's say, just hypothetically, that you were wearing a bra-sized 36C. If you wanted to find the same cup size in a 38 band, you would use a 38B. And likewise, if you wanted to size down to a tighter band, you would size to a 34D. We call these sister sizes, and the way that this works out is because even though you're dealing with the same breast volume, you're going to have a greater difference or a smaller difference between the measurement over the bust and the measurement under the bust, just depending on how wide the torso is. Again, this may not seem entirely intuitive, but you can find a lot more information about this concept online just by looking at bra sister sizing. A challenge of bra fitting in general is that many common U.S. lingerie manufacturers and retailers sell only a pretty narrow range of bra sizes. And actually those bra sizes, which again we refer to as the bra size matrix, from about a 30 to a 40 band and an A to a double D, maybe a triple D cup, those bra sizes don't actually fit the majority of people when they're sized appropriately. So sizing practices like you might have heard of like adding four inches to your band measurement to get your band size are actually more sales tactics than anything trying to get more women buying a narrower range of bras as that makes the manufacturing process a bit more streamlined 
So it's important to measure yourself appropriately and if you are interested in wearing a bra, finding a proper fitting is really the way to go. And it's very easy to give yourself a proper fitting, though it still can be a bit of a challenge finding an appropriately fitting bra, as there is actually a lot more to take into account rather than just the band and the cup size. There is also considerations like shape, uh, which, which must be taken into account, because not all bras fit the same shape of breast, even though that is seldom advertised. So where do you turn if you're interested in finding an appropriately fitting bra? And this applies to trans people and also cross-dressers who are just interested in finding bras that will fit them either with or without breast forms. Well, I'm happy to say that there is a great community online that I give a huge yes queen to because they provide excellent resources for anyone who wants to find a properly fitting bra. And my go-to for this it's where I size myself properly and where I recommend you go as well is a subreddit called R A Bra That Fits. Just A Bra That Fits, spell it out all in, in one word. And on the site, you'll find a calculator that will have you enter several different measurements, including your underbust measurement, the band size that we talked about already, but then also several different measurements around the fullest part of your bust. When you're standing up, leaning forward, lying down, things like that, also to help you take shape into account. And there is actually a very useful option that you can check if you are assigned male at birth, as this will help take into account the shape of your ribcage just biologically. And this subreddit is a really useful and, pardon my pun, but supportive community where you can post your measurements, get advice about finding a bra that fits for your shape and your size. And it's also just a great resource in terms of learning more about the variety of bras that are out there. So you probably have heard of cup size and band size, but did you know that shape is an issue? Are you more projected? Are you more shallow? What part of your breast is most full, the top or the bottom? And all of these things are so important to take into account. This is a great and supportive community, and I strongly recommend that if you are interested in wearing a bra, if you are wearing one already and you want to check to make sure it's a great fit, this is an excellent community. I love using a bra that fits as a resource for helping me find clothing that I find supportive, affirming, and comfortable. So give it a look. That's my recommendation. Yes, queen to proper bra sizing and nah, girl, to the misconceptions that we so often see. And that's how Sierra sees it. And for all the things that were messed up in the episode that we need to clear up, the things we want to add, or the things we just want to give a shout out to, we have the section, the miscellany. Yes! And that's it for this week's episode, guys. I want to give a shout out to all my Patreon patrons. Uh, there's a long list. People I'll run down. Of course, Sierra, who has her own segment in Sierra Says. People like Hunter. Uh, shout out to Hunter for giving to the podcast. Also, people like Rachel Burke. Shout out to Chrissy, who's in a future episode. So is Barbara Kay. Adelina, of course, giving some money out. And Megan, of course. Megan. Shout out to Megan. If you haven't heard her episode, you should. She's amazing. And like Veronica. Also Veronica. She uh, gave out money. But if you guys can donate too, you don't have to come and support the podcast. You guys don't have to be giving a shout out on the podcast if you, ref- if you don't want to. But as for the episode, you guys heard... You heard Adelina in the second part of a three-part uh, talk. You also heard my cross yas confessional, um, where I talked about Andrea's story. Uh, Kirsten talked about wedding dress shopping. 
and another installment of Sierra Says. Again, support the Patreon, guys. It's on uh, patreon.com slash crossyas. Uh, sorry, I have to do this pitch. I hate that. Uh, the episode went really well, I think. I don't think I have to clear anything up. Other shout-outs to all you guys who are listening. <laughs> Thank you for supporting supporting the podcast. It's August. Going to be leaving this apartment soon into our new condo. So I'm going to have episodes being released every Wednesday. Still, hope you guys are listening. Next week, I'll have, I think, another Cross Yas confessional or some Cross Yas assessment. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to figure it out. But uh, stay tuned. Should be some good stuff. Yeah, excited to move out. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your August. It's September. Answer the question of the month next week. If you guys haven't heard it, you have a week left to answer the question at what age did you know you were different in relation to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender? I'll be answering answering the question, giving out people's answers that they've given, um, and I'll read that out loud next week. Um, yeah, I think that's it. As always, keep it fresh, stay blessed, and remember, you're gorgeous. Again, guys, I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything. I'm just here to share my story. Have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender a bit more. <laughs>